You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into uh, Locked On Mavericks for Tuesday, November 8th. Hello to cats, snakes, chickens, ducks, elderly people, and twerkers. Thank you for listening to Locked On Mavericks. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, go ahead and check on that. Check out that uh, Locked On Cowboys if you if you might. Your seven and one Dallas Cowboys. There's a daily episode for you uh, every day, as it would be um, that you can listen to on your lunch break or on the way to work or on the way home, whatever. But it's daily for you. A little segment just like us. Uh, but about the Cowboys. Uh, my name is Mike Marshall. You can follow me on Twitter at Machine Sports if you're so inclined to play that game. Uh, Jake's back. Hey yo, you don't have to hear hey, me. Yo. <laughs> you don't have to hear me uh, get out of breath talking six minutes straight uh, at the beginning of an interview. So, uh, hey bro, how you doing? How was Cleveland? It was actually pretty great. I'm not gonna lie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I would have. Uh, I would have really enjoyed if we could have swung. The Celtics Cavs Thursday night action, but we Ooh, didn't spicy. get in until late Thursday. But I swear, and I don't even, I never even followed up on how this happened. But whenever the schedule was first released, I swear they were playing on Friday night in Cleveland. Because Bob and I looked at it right away and, you know, thought, hey, we're going to go Columbus on Saturday, hit some Cavs, some Celtics, go see the Jay Crowder show <laughs> on uh, Friday night. But they moved it. But. You didn't account um, for daylight savings time. Yeah, I don't totally know what that means, but I'm going to say that yes. That's just kind of <laughs> what I. That's just kind of what I've been saying in general to people over the last couple of days. Over ah, God, daylight just, savings time. I forgot about daylight savings, but no, I'm happy to be back. I'm glad Tim was able to be here in my steed, and we got some games. We do we actually have some games now. We definitely do. We got it. We got a couple in the pockets. Um, you missed some important moments uh, for the Mavericks season thus far. So I wanted to give you the floor here in uh, in just a second to talk about the um, the Dirk injury that I assume will probably linger for most of this season. That's what we'll be calling this season. It will be the Dirk Achilles year probably. And then uh, Harrison Barnes just being phenomenal. But uh, but first, I'd like to remind you, we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team. It's every single day. If you'd like to submit some questions for us, we might use them this Thursday. Actually, this Thursday we'll have a game to chew up. Uh, maybe next, next Monday or something like that because we have a really weird schedule coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, at Locked On Mavs or Locked On Mavs at Gmail, and you can follow Jake at Not Jack Kemp if you are uh, interested in that. And that is all of the uh, provisions that I have to say in a fast fashion. So, Jacob, um, what Just are your feelings? Just listen every day. That's what we have. To say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen every single stinking day because we know more about the Mavericks than I don't know, eighty-five uh, percent of the population. We're uh, <laughs> we're we're borderline, borderline experts. And we still have our our, uh, our credentials, so. Ooh, <laughs> um, yikes! <laughs> but uh, the Dirk injury came down. I think it was Friday night um, in the Portland game where he just couldn't go anymore. Um, I guess tell me what your initial thoughts were whenever that hit you, and um, how you think the Mavericks survive without our uh, our big buddy. Well, I mean, first of all, I think as soon as they started saying that he had the flu, that was a day after they said that his Achilles was sore, 
I mean, I think we all kind of thought this seems a little bit suspect. And I'm not saying he wasn't sick, but I think if he was just sick and wasn't dealing with the injury, I think he would have been playing. Um, So the fact that he wasn't, you know, I know that when you have kids, you can get a – uh, some nasty illnesses that maybe the the those of us who are untethered by progeny don't <laughs> totally understand. But I mean, Dirk is do the guy's almost almost is this year nineteen? Yeah, I think he came in at nineteen years old. So this is eighteen going into nineteen, something like that. So I mean, I just don't see there's any way that in those nineteen years the guys played through way worse than whatever he was dealing with them. Maybe it was because it was the start of the year, but he looked. You know, he looked really, really rough in the uh, Utah game. Yeah, uh, no, he was he was frail. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was tough to watch. And then uh, same thing with Portland. So it doesn't surprise me at all. They shut him down. It's uh, it's kind of a gift and a curse because on one hand, I do feel like the future of this team has Barnes at the four, mm-hmm. um, and whether that means that um, Justin Anderson is starting like he did the other night. Or that opens up another position that they could be aggressive in, uh, you know, player acquisition, whether it's trade or free agency. I probably like the idea of drafting a point guard more than I do. Um, like if I had to pick, I would be looking free agent for a swing or for a two or a three, I guess, depending on what you do with Matthews and draft a point guard. It just seems like those guys are all either locked up or zero chance that they're going to get away. The ones. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, it does open you up to the fact that you get to play Barnes where I'd like to play him. And, I mean, he was just ridiculous the other night uh, against Milwaukee. So, I don't know, man. It's tough because you want it, you want Dirk on the floor. But I've been saying for a few years now that, and it, you know, he had a couple phenomenal uh, outbursts over the ca- last couple years that made this look silly. But I, I've, I, was on the, I was on team Dirk off the bench two years ago. Yeah, um, and that's not to say that he can't still occasionally pop up and give you thirty-five, or still basically be your best player. But whenever Parsons was as good as he was at the four, and the idea was well, well, we might be able to pick up DeAndre Jordan. I thought, what if we get crazy here and we'd bring Dirk off the bench with Berea and let DeAndre Jordan be your five, Parsons your four, whether Matthews is your two or your three. I just like the idea of Dirk playing with Berea, and I like the idea of not getting him hung in every pick and roll, um, which is something you saw. It was obvious when you go back and watch the Milwaukee game how much easier it was for them to switch everything on defense. Yeah, yeah, and the uh, the draconian kind of like positional stuff of your bet one of your best players has to start type thing um, that limits what you can do in free agency. They've like they haven't been looking for a power forward in free agency in what the last five years. Um, yeah. or, I mean, last last 20 years on the whole, but when they maybe could have been the last five years. I mean, there's a um, number of guys we've mentioned, whether it's Horford. Yeah. Um, man, I don't remember. I remember the beginning of the year, you and I like went through the number of guys that they passed on just because it just wouldn't work with him. Right. I've always thought that was a little, I don't know. Well, you're just you're just shortening your your revenue stream of talent. Um, you're playing you're playing left handed. You're saying that I. You know, instead of a, t- a team that is such um, in a beggar situation, like they have been in the last five years, I think it's silly to rule anything out. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if they wanted to bring Chris Bosh here whenever he was up and he almost went to uh, went to Houston, they never got involved in that because it was such um, just a known that Dirk has to start. 
that Dirk has to be the four, and it couldn't possibly work with Dirk coming off the bench. And it's, you know, easy to say now that a lot of it didn't work out, but I think you just get the most, in a situation like the Mavs have been in the last five years, you get the most talent on your team, no matter how you have to do it. You get players, you get more good players. Like, it's pretty simple to me. Um, And uh, I don't know if you heard the stat yesterday on the lineups with Barnes at the four. But uh, here are the Mavs' most six or uh, six most frequently used lineups. There are six lineups that have caught uh, 18 plus minutes this year. The only ones that are a uh, a positive in the net rating are with Harrison Barnes at the four. You know, I mean, that's just one of those things that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all. Just based on your eye test of how the game goes during those segments. I mean, <clears throat> we know that they're getting slaughtered in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where he was playing a lot of his minutes at the three. And it's just, it's a weird, you know, and especially with, uh, with Finney Smith out there, that's a two, three, four that is tough to score on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, absolutely. Especially if Wes is taking charges like he did the other night, you know, for as bad as he's been offensively, he has been as advertised and as expected coming out of last year and the injury this year mm-hmm. on defense. I mean, he's he's been really good on defense. Yeah. Yeah. I think they – I don't know if they need to start drawing up different kind of plays or just um, – I feel like they're using Wes in the same way that they did last year, and that's letting him fall back into all his little weird little quirks and habits that he did last year whenever he didn't have legs. I think they need to almost draw up a new offense for Wes. Like, uh, like, like Romo coming off, off of a back surgery, you're doing – different plays for him you know what I mean uh well, the second, the problem the second is, year the problem is and you probably have the numbers in front of you he, it's not just okay so his pull-up three has always looked awful yeah it just his his off the bounce three doesn't look right but I don't think he's really hitting catch and shoot threes either I mean whenever you're shooting what 22 percent from three and you're taking seven a game it's not like there's one type that you're hitting but you're not hitting the others he is right. hitting Nothing. So even if they yeah. like roll him off curls and have him catch and shoot, he's not hitting those either. Right. Um, you know, and a lot of those have been off, whether it's, uh, like I said, if they run him off a screen or if uh, Berea or Dewell kicks out to him, he's missing those too. You know, I mean, he, he hit the dagger the other night, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I just, there's no way Dirk playing or not. No matter how great Barnes is at the four, there's no way the Mavericks can even approach being like a 500 team or a competitive team with, you know, Wes Matthews basically going one one and a half for seven every game from three. Yeah, no, he has to be he has to be average, and I don't think that's too much to ask. Quite honestly, I think that's probably uh, an appropriate thing to expect from him. But um, you said it well, so we can kind of leave it there. With the, uh, with the West Matthews thing. Um, the isolation numbers for Barnes, I know me and you talked about it like quite a bit about um, how I didn't want him to be an isolation factor on the offensive end of the court. Dude, he's been insane. He's been like top five in the league good um, at isolation possessions. Um, a lot of it is long twos. A lot of it is pull-ups. But um, a lot of it's also getting to the rim and beating, like, Giannis on the last five seconds of a game uh, to the rack. So I guess my question to you is, do you think it's sustainable for Barnes to uh, to cook at this temperature uh, using this many isolation possessions, something he's never really done before? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Let me pull up his shooting percentage. I, I, uh, okay, so he's 
hitting 35% from three. So I think that's where I would factor in that it is sustainable because Mm -hmm. his uh, two-point field goal percentage as far as what he's hitting is only 25% higher than what he hit last year and only 12% higher than the year before that. So I think what he does does not look like it's outside of his game to me. Right. Like it's I don't think he's playing that far above his head at all. Um like I said, he's shooting worse the third worst uh let's see. It's his second worst three-point shooting season ever so far. Like if this just went for the whole year. Right. So if you can not by a lot, but if you can pull that off and like still end up averaging 20 points a game, mm-hmm. at some point I think what's probably likely is he inches up from 3 a little bit inches back down from two a little bit uh, on those mid-range shots and still ends up averaging like 19 or 20 points a night. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably a realistic he, Dude, he's not the problem. The problem is how he fits with Wes, and that's exactly what we said at the start of the year. And so it's almost like it doesn't matter how good he is. You feel – I mean, you feel better about it because you paid him $100 million and you made a, a tough call on Parsons. But right. he's not – that's not the problem. The problem is that he is about the – I guess the way to say it is that Wes is like the worst fit with Barnes that I could possibly draw up for a two guard. Yeah, and I guess I am I am super excited about what I've seen because of um, there is something elite that you're doing, and it's through Harrison Barnes playing the four position, and that can carry forward. The longevity of that is definitely something that they have in their pocket, but you got to figure out the Barnes Wesley Matthews thing. You can't have your two uh, your two highest paid players. Um, doing that together. Guys well, one, way to figure out, one way to figure it out long-term is that you just pencil Barnes in at the four and it gives you more flexibility on adding players that can you know, actually do something off the bounce at the two or the three. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, unless you have anything else on that, I can uh, try to give you a painting, a Bob Ross-style painting of what the Lakers are. Hey. If you would enjoy that. I'm going to hit that over. Oh, Yeah. What is it? I don't even know what it is right now. I haven't even looked it up, but I might do that as well. Let me see. I think I noted here. You keep going, and I'll find these. But yeah, okay. I kept I kept track of at least my side of these. And you know what? I think they've beaten some pretty good teams. It's not. I mean, obviously they beat Golden State, but outside of that, I don't think they've just played like a trash schedule. No, they uh they were the over under was twenty five wins. I'm pretty sure you went over. Um, and the Lakers honestly don't know what's good for them, uh, because. They're going to end up giving the 76ers like a top eight pick if they keep winning games um, this early in the season because uh, their pick this year is top three protected. They're not playing like one of the worst three teams in basketball, so you're going to convey a pick to the Sixers. Their schedule has been opening night Houston, which was a hell of a fun game. They go to Utah, lose. They go to Oklahoma City, lose. They go to Indiana, lose. So a three-game tank. And then they go to Atlanta, and they score 123 against the Hawks and win. They host Golden State and Staples, score 117 and win. And then they host Phoenix and score 119 and win. Um, so they're on a three-game heater right now. And uh, Mavs are going out there to Staples late game tonight, 9.30. So uh, set your DVRs. After, after uh, the, uh, the poll results... Come in. You can just go ahead and flip on over to uh, to Fox Southwest at 9:30 and catch some Mavericks. But here you go. Here's what the Lakers are um, in terms of numbers and uh, what I kind of feel about them uh, this early in the season through what six games, seven games, I think. Let's see. 
So offensively, uh, they can freaking score a lot. They're 110 points per game uh, this season thus far, despite being uh, bottom seven in three-point percentage. Uh, Dallas is, what, eighth from the bottom? The Lakers are seventh from the bottom at 31.6. So they, need, they don't have a shooter on the team, basically, outside of uh, if Lou Williams gets hot. Or if uh, if one of the guards gets re- one of the streaky guards gets really hot, then yeah, it might be a problem. But on the whole, you'll let them shoot whatever three they want to take because they're not they're not very good at it. Um, so how do they score that many points? Well, you probably guessed it. Pace. Mm-hmm. They are first in pace in the league, averaging 105 possessions per 48 minutes. Um, this is definitely a Luke Walton thing. Um, he's not an idiot. He knows he has a bunch of young dudes that are super athletic and uh, have an edge on just about anybody that they play if they get out and run. So 105 possessions per 48 minutes is uh, exactly 10 more possessions than the Mavericks like to use. And they're also uh, 7th in rebound percentage, so that helps. Uh, Rebounding the ball 51.7% of the time of available rebounds. So you rebound well, you run your ass off, you don't necessarily shoot the three, but... um, that's going to crank your points per game up just simply if you have 105 possessions a game. But still, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to score with them. You're going to have to match them because the game's going to dictate it. <clears throat> I'm just – I'm pretty surprised that a team that starts got, you know, let's see. I guess if you count Dang and Nick Young, who seems like he's still 22 but is actually somehow 31. Yeah, he's older than hell. Uh, but Clarkson plays quite a few minutes uh, mm-hmm. as well, you know, actually about the same as Young. They're, they've got to be one of the youngest teams in the league. Yeah. Uh, and for sure, if you weighted those minutes towards uh, age, you know, just times minutes divided by number of players, that they don't turn the ball over. Yeah. They, uh, let's or do see. they? They do, I guess, actually. I, I guess it's a raw but, number thing. I'm just looking at, like, for pace adjusted. But I guess maybe right. if it is pace adjusted. But I, I don't know. I, I, the only time I've watched uh, – like extended time of them in this season is is Golden State and that was pretty surprising to me but I don't know for for that many possessions it's not really a problem their turnover uh rate especially and it's those two lineups yeah uh, it's it's their main two lineups of uh let's see Russell Young um Dang Randall Mozgov so your starting unit has a really low turnover ratio um 13.5 um and then uh, let's see. The, I mean, in the Golden second, State game, in the Golden State game, the starters turn the ball over nine times. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean they'll they'll speed it up for you and give it to you. Um, but for how many possessions that they generate, I don't think it's like necessarily a problem for them. I mean, obviously, it's not on point total. By the end of the game, if you're consistently scoring 110 points, like it's clearly not a problem for you. Um, and then they're a little bit worse with their second most um, frequently used unit, which is uh, Clarkson. Lou Williams, Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance Jr., and Tariq Black, 15.9 on the uh, the turnover ratio. But honestly, if you turn the ball over 17 times a game like they have been, um, you would assume that would be detrimental to you. But with 105 possessions per game, it's not really uh, – it doesn't cut your throat necessarily. Mm-hmm. And, what's, and as you might imagine with a team with Lou Williams, with Nick Young, with D'Angelo Russell, they use a lot of isolation. And they're actually number one in points per possession in isolation this year uh, at 1.293 points per possession in isolation. A lot of that is, honestly, it's pull-up threes um, because they don't drive to the basket. You think a young team with those type of dudes, with Clarkson, with D'Angelo Russell, 
with uh, Brandon Ingram. You think they would attack the basket, but nobody on their team drives towards the basket at more than five times a game. And that's Jordan Clarkson who does it five times a game. Just as point of reference, Darren drives at the basket six times a game. So they don't attack. Yeah. Uh, they don't attack the rim hardly at all. But they're, uh, they're really good at offensive rebounding. Um, they score every time they get an offensive rebound or a putback. Uh, they're really good at pick and roll, finding the roll man. I think they're seventh best in the league in points per possession on that. And uh, the turnovers, like if, you, if you're not hitting your jump shots like they, they hope to do because they don't drive, then the turnovers become a problem. But if you're, if you're playing solidly in isolation and pull up jumpers and stuff like that, then you know, you'll, you'll deal with it because you're going to crank your possessions up to 105 possessions or plus in a 48-minute uh, span. Defensively, they do an excellent job, oddly enough, of defending the three-point line. They only allow 28% from three. Uh, just as a point of reference, Dallas is allowing 39.5 from Jeez. three. So that's, I think that's definitely a Luke Walton thing. Uh, he's like, we'll do whatever else <laughs> you want to do. I'm just not going to let you bomb us from three because uh, they don't stop anything at the rim. They're allowing 67.5% um, on opponent's shots within five feet. Dallas is right behind them at 63.8 for second worst in terms of shots within five feet. But here's the difference. Dallas allows the fewest shots within five feet at 25 a game. And the Lakers allow the most shots within five feet at 36 attempts a game. So Dallas is as bad at protecting the rim. They just don't let you get there nearly as frequently. You get there 10 times more a game uh, playing the Lakers. Uh, yeah. You get to the rim 10 times more. That is surprising to me because I've generally felt like, uh, although Salah has given me a little something, that I feel, I feel like Bogut has generally just been not very good on both sides yeah. of the ball. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's almost like floaters, though. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he he allows you he allows you in the paint, but he's standing so far underneath it that you have an easy floater, and you don't even need to get within five feet of the basket. That's my that's my theory on why the Mavs are only allowing uh, what twenty five attempts uh, within five feet because you don't have to because you have a a plus shot once you get past that first layer of defense. But if you want to get to the rim on the Lakers, you can, and I don't know which Maverick is going to be able to do it. Well. Uh, consistently I, if I mean we're still going to be without D will yep so I you know I still think back game one Berea had 20 drives yeah in one game mm -hmm. that has to be prop that has to be a career high yeah I would think so and Barnes that's had I'm, that's what I'm Barnes had for. 10 the other night that's Barnes absurd. had 10 drives and if they're going to put um, I promise you that's a career high yeah if they're going to put Lou Williams out on him or try and slide uh, Nick Young out on him, or even Brandon Ingram for uh, for stretches. Um, I guess they wouldn't have to if he's playing the four, but depending you know on the, who, yeah, who he stretches out to the perimeter. Randall might actually be one of the type of guys that whenever Barnes plays at the four, he's not just going to be able to roast him. Yeah. I mean, I think he's. I think his foot speed is a lot better than Randall, but then it's getting Randall chasing you, which he's pretty savy. Um, mm -hmm. every, every, everybody on that team is um, above average defensively thus far outside of D'Angelo. Um, D'Angelo is kind of getting nuked. But um, they're also terrible in transition defense, 24th in the league, but not that the Mavericks can run anyway. Right. So there's your blueprint for what the Lakers are thus far in the season. They, uh, they're awful from three, but their pace is so high that it doesn't matter. They're overcoming it, and they're overcoming their turnovers. 
which can be a, uh, a real problem if their jump shots aren't falling or if their isolation possessions aren't uh, consistently working. And then defensively, um, they don't protect the rim at all. They let you get to the rim the most times in the league at 36 attempts within five feet, and they don't, they don't stop you once you get there either. But they're really good at defending the three. They're not going to let you cut their throat from three. Um, and uh, attack D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> get D'Angelo Russell in a, uh, in a spin cycle on a pick and roll and see what happens. Um, Berea might be about to have a, a top five yeah. game of the year. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy, man. I don't think that's crazy at all. Or get Seth Curry in there, have a little fun with that. But, yeah, so there's your blueprint for the Lakers tonight, 9.30 p.m. in Los Angeles. Um, And then they get a nice little back-to-back against the Warriors, which is super fun for them. Um, And then uh, this is the beginning of a four-game road trip where they have Lakers today, Warriors tomorrow. um, And then they don't play till Monday night. Cross-country. Uh, yeah, cross-country in New York, and then I think the following night in Boston. So four-game road trip that's going to span, what, um, seven, yeah, an entire week. You desperately need to, how about this, you need to be three and seven when you come home. I could, uh, yeah. The Knicks are not good. I know they've no. jumped up in a couple games. The, the Knicks are not good. and you know, No, you need to beat the Lakers and the Knicks. There's no chance that I would, you know, i it's tough for me to imagine D. Will or Dirk playing uh, tomorrow either. Obviously Dirk, yeah. but D. Will. So, um, and I don't know Boston. Yeah, I haven't seen too much of them. Yeah, I haven't either. So but I think, I, think, really, I think they're I think better they're than some, Dallas. They're, they're be- yeah, they're clearly better. I don't know if they're gettable though. I guess. Yeah. Is the uh, it's gonna be interesting tonight to see which team um, wins the tug of war of Mavericks just wanting to walk the ball up. Mm-hmm. Every single time where the Lakers just wanting to, you know, throw it inbounds to half court and just start the just start your possessions from the half court half uh half court line with twenty four seconds left. So it's gonna be a real weird mix of styles, but uh I think they're gettable. Who the hell knows at this point though? Um so there you go. We'll be back tomorrow to break down a uh, a Lakers game and then um a Warriors preview for you tomorrow as Steph Curry hit 45 threes last night. So, yeah, Jacob, thank you for your time. Yes, sir. We'll see you tomorrow. All right.